0: Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world.
1: Welcome back to another episode with Three Musketeers podcast. Uh, myself, Hamid and Hesam. Today, we have our first international guest, uh, which I'm super excited because we're going to talk about a topic that I've been intrigued for many years. Our guest is Nadia El Farsati. Fatasi. Do you know what? I panicked so much. Nadia, you put so much pressure on me. First <laughs> don't, don't. international guest, <laughs> Nadia El Fertasi. I Not love your only... last name. <laughs> My father okay. is
0: smiling in his grave.
1: Oh, bless him! God rest his soul. I, I panicked. I panicked. You can see how much pressure is on me because you know Nadia has got such no, a high caliber. It's gonna be
0: fine. No.
1: So, Nadia, she's worked for with over eighteen years at NATO as an expert in strategic engagement, mainly on cyber affairs. This also led to recognition of being asked to be top. 100 influential women in cybersecurity across to Europe. I probably have not done Nadia justice. Um, she's probably achieved so much more. But I'd rather let her, you know, give her a bit of background about, you know, who you are, uh, what's your journey. And we'll go on and talk about the topic of emotional intelligence. Nadia, welcome to our episode.
0: Thank you very much, Hamid and Hassan, for having me. I always enjoy when, when people you know they look at my profile and they see all the credentials and achievements and uh, you know and then I tell them I'm just a breathing human being who still struggles despite being in the line of fire and having dealt with a lot of difficult challenges, let's say, still yeah. struggle to deal with my son and get him in bed at eight o'clock without <laughs> me being upset. So I I always uh, like to think that in the end of the day, I I love going to bed, you know, with no labels, no identity, just being grateful and appreciating for having lived another day and and made an impact. So uh, thank you very much for your very kind introduction. I suppose now you want me to tell you a little bit about myself? Yes, please. Yes. I can talk a lot, so I will try to keep it sharp. So I, uh, as 21-year-old girl, I was uh, in university, and I said, "I want to leave the Netherlands. I want to explore the world." So I ended up in a NATO agency in Aix-en-Provence, France, and that was the start of a nearly two-decade career at NATO. So uh, as a young girl, I, uh, I had the medium levels of IQ, let's say, a bit of mm-hmm. humility, but <laughs> no, not really a lot of EQ, actually. So I really learned a lot of lessons and on emotional intelligence by really working my way up the career ladder, going from secretary to senior executive over the years in different agencies in NATO and also in different deployments. And 18 years is a long road. And one of the things, I always had high ambitions, so I kept pursuing one thing after the other one thing after the other and at a certain point 18 years I wanted to change already since a few years and I always say life speaks to you but when you don't listen it just speaks louder and louder so uh, at one day I just fell on the floor (laughs) exhausted depleted and I said okay well you know I, I hit burnout I was in denial I think when you're a high performer and when you really attach a lot of importance on how other people perceive you, you are in denial. So I kept going when I got off the floor, eventually. Then I you know, didn't feel a fall again, but I said, okay, now I need to just stop and decide what I want to do with my life. Do I want to be 80 years old and look back and say I had a tax-free salary and I died as a native executive? I leave a legacy of value, purpose, where people feel included, where people feel valued, where people feel appreciated, and where people can really live their human potential. And I was fascinated by emotions all my life as well. So I decided to hand in my resignation and start my business, Drive with EQ, Emotional Intelligence, by really using also the concepts I learned and experience I had on NATO. I'm really a practitioner, and I'm much more focused on practicalities how can we blend the science the theory and what it means for the average person right what does it mean for different people we all have our map of the world so i really use the crisis management concept where we always simulated in nato we are either in conflict or ready to go in conflict so preparedness was big So I use those methodologies and exercises to design real life challenges and now specifically also related to cyber to help exercise collaboration, right? How does it feel like when when you collaborate with different uh, nationalities, with different backgrounds, with different maps of the world? And here, emotional intelligence is obviously key because how I explain what is emotional intelligence, I always say, imagine your IQ, so your cognitive ability, is like your yeah. elevator in life, but your EQ is your trajectory upwards, right? You can be a genius, but if you don't put your genius and service to others, you won't, you know, you'll be very lonely. And your cognitive ability is like your long-term strategic, but your emotional intelligence is short-term tactical, how you react to your environment, to other people. So emotional intelligence is really your ability to how you perceive yourself, in relation to your environment and others and how your emotions influence that perception and here if you want me to go on to explain a little bit more in depth why this is so important
1: no no i think yeah? big thank you for the introduction because i think mm-hmm. it gives a perspective to the audience and to myself and has someone your background and, and thank you for being so frank and honest about your journey and and you know when you sort of not hit The rock bottom but when you thought you know when you felt it's time for change because it's not easy when you're in a path and i've met people where they're so focused on career that they don't think on their purpose you know in life so i think that's that's an admiration you've already answered the question about the basic definition of eq which is perfect because you know that was the next point i think what i want to do is before we go to let you explain a bit more detail one of the reasons we want to talk about emotional intelligence is we've had a guest in the past few weeks talked about PTSD and mental health and what triggers them. We had another guest who talked about mental resilience. And what me and Hesom, I guess, felt like is to wrap up the series, if you want to call it. Yeah, the mini-series. The mini-series is mm-hmm. to talk about the importance of emotional intelligence. I feel like it's been a word that's been used a lot more recently in the sectors that we're in but i don't think people truly know what it means and and this is why obviously nadia is a perfect person to speak to because it's it's her field of expertise and i think what we want to get out of this in in the next god knows how long 30 minutes 40 minutes you know however we can exhaust nadia uh (laughs) is is work out you know um what is emotional intelligence which you've kind of briefly mentioned understand what it means how do we use it but also mm. how do i know if i have it and how do i improve on it improve on it mm. do we want to before we let nadia go do you want to just some i'm looking at you do you want to give me your understanding of emotional intelligence or what you think it is today i thought the basic definition was how you behave when within your own emotions and how you see others. That is my basic definition. I'm no expert. Mm. But I think this is more of a, a learning curve because I think we hear too many people talk about the buzzwords, but not actually enough people know about itself. What it means. What it means and how to use it properly. Exactly. So I'd be one of those people who's going to learn, like many of our listeners, what it means and how to use it. Okay. I'm going to be high EQ after this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I an think, emotional
0: intelligence coach and sometimes my EQ is on the lower side, so <laughs> I'm just managing I think, expectations.
1: <laughs> I think I think for me, it's very similar to Hesam. And me and Nadia t- talked offline. For me, the fascination of emotional intelligence, because someone told me a few years ago, um, I think you've got high EQ. And I, I was like, what does that even mean? And they tried to explain to me, hey, I've done a bit of Googling. For me, what fascinates me, and I wanna know, and I talked to with Nadia is, I deal with situations differently to others around me and i think it's something to do with my emotional intelligence and how heightened it is or how high it is like you can I, again question for Nadia. you know can you quantify it and how would you quantify it but for me it's working out Not just for myself but for audiences if you're in that situation how do you tap into your eq if you have it to get yourself out of that situation because it's helped me i feel like so that's my I guess basic definition of 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 EQ. So Nadia, I want to hand over to you and kind of resume what you were going to talk about after giving us a very basic definition of, you know, EQ. Where do you want to start?
0: Thank you very much. So I'll try to answer this in actually three parts to give you really a a holistic overview and better understanding that every listener and both you and Hassan can really take away and and dive into deeper. First of all, the the answer to your question, does everyone has EQ? Yes, we are emotional beings. So when we are uh, born, right, or even before born, when we are uh, created in embryo, The first organ to catch life was our heart, right? So the heart is the most intelligent organ (laughs) in the whole body. And that is really connected to the emotion as well. This is where you feel the body's frequency. So that's important to keep in perspective as well. Right? We don't only have our brain as a highly intelligent organ in different extents in different people, obviously, but our heart was the first organ to catch life, is the most intelligent organ in the body. But let me go a little bit back to science. So we perceive information, and the information is you know processed like almost two million bits per second through our spinal cord. And it goes up our brain and at first passes through the part of the brain is called the limbic system, where all the emotions are regulated, right? Where are processed. This is where the brain in split seconds makes sense of what emotion is, what function, right? People with higher levels of emotional intelligence and experience, they're very smooth in the transition to the rational part of the brain. Example: Someone for with a low levels of impulse control, so the time between the triggering of their emotion and their reaction is very short, right? Because they are react from their limbic part of the brain, and I'm being very simplistic here because there are a lot of nuances, right? You have also the almond shaped uh, part in the brain which is called the amygdala which is basically the control center for feelings of sadness aggression, fear, right? This is why when we experience fear, when we experience stress, that part of the brain is ignited. And then you have the other brain hormones, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. Those are the happy hormones, you know, the love hormone. When we fall in love, I you know, I hate to kill the romance of people, but it's basically a large part is also responsible in the chemicals in your brains, right? Yeah. Unless you connect at the heart level, but that's that's not this the podcast about. So it's really understand to the first part is to understand that we perceive information and it first processes from the limbic part of the brain, right? To then to the rational part of the brain, so the left brain, right brain. Because, uh, we have. Basically, in simplistic terms, two systems. System one is the shortcut mental models, the bias, both unconscious and conscious. It's really based on emotional reaction, right? When we mm-hmm. feel familiar, when we feel comfortable, it, we have comfortable emotions. As soon as something is unfamiliar to our brain or something we dislike or we don't enjoy perceiving, it feels uncomfortable, This explains why people feel reluctant to change or why people judge other people because they are different than themselves, it's different perception. There are many factors, but this is important to understand. And this part of the brain is really important because it also keeps us safe, right? For example, if you are about to be hit by a car, the system is activated and it will go into survival mode to keep you safe, but you experience an intense emotion right, to trigger that fear. And it's, it doesn't take a lot of energy because it's it's memorized behaviors. Then you have another, the system two, which is more your analytical part of the brain, right? And that takes a lot of energy because it's not emotional. And to really learn new behaviors, new memories, new experiences, etc. Which is why people prefer to use the lazy part of the brain, system one. There's an excellent book from uh, Daniel Goleman, I believe, Slow Fast Thinking, which I really recommend people to leave to really understand the magnitude and the power of the brain linked with emotions. Now, the part I want to say is we live now in an era of constant stress, chronic stress, right, which creates chronic fear levels, which creates chronic negative emotions, which depletes people's energies. <laughs> right? This is why we feel an exaggerated level of fatigue of pessimism etc because we are constantly you know under high levels of chronic stress fear etc this is why emotional intelligence is so important to understand how to navigate between feeling uncomfortable emotions to move towards more comfortable emotions and this is something that is within our control we just need to help teach people this So the second part I will say is there are about three schools of thoughts when it comes to emotional intelligence. So you have Peter Salovey, who is also the director of the Emotional Intelligence Center in Yale. And he was the first one, I believe, to come up with the the concept of emotional intelligence with four uh, dimensions, uh, if I'm correct. And the second one is Daniel Goleman, who wrote the best-selling book in the 90s. And and he has, you know, also uh, four to six paradigms. And I personally work with the EQI2 model, which is issued by the Multi-Health Assessment in, in Canada, used globally. But it's really was uh, authored and, and developed by Rovan Baron, a, also a known psychologist. And the reason why I chose this model is because it's much more comprehensive and it's really meant for the workplace. It gives people like practical tools and techniques to solve their specific problems, their challenges. So it really looks at the lens of how people perceive themselves, how they express themselves, how they navigate and develop interpersonal relations, how their emotions influence their decision-making, and how they manage stress. So this is, the, I call it the toolbox, which I use to really, yeah. for example, focus on social engineering attacks, how to help build emotional firewalls I mean, to really empower people to be less susceptible and falling prey to cyber criminal social engineering techniques, but also to help people navigate safer online, right? Because we take things very personally often. Now, why do we take things very personally? Because they are linked to a deep rooted belief we have inherited from past experiences, from memories, from our childhood, and it triggers us. So an intense Emotion, an intense negative emotion coupled with information becomes long-term memory. Example, if I as a young girl was told by a teacher that I would never make it or I would, you know, was really put down for a exam, every time I would do a test, this is real life, I get so nervous and anxious because those emotions that I felt at that time, they were so intense the cause, the trauma, right? And as a child, I didn't have the means to really alter my perceptions, which I do now. This is what I help organizations and people. I teach them how to tell yourself a new story so you can actually overcome the emotion of that belief. It's a disassociation technique. Because when you overcome the emotion, then the experience turns into wisdom and you see it for exactly that. And you can move on with more wisdom, right? Emotions means energy in motion. They are supposed to be felt, but we never really learned how to feel our emotion. I mean, I also grew up in a Bicultural uh, environment but at home it was taboo <laughs> so i never really learned how to feel so we prefer to suppress them and when we suppress them they get stuck it's like holding a pen so tight in your hand it hurts but when you let go the pen will roll and eventually will roll out of your hands and it doesn't hurt so actually feeling your emotions and learning to be present with them until they flow out of you and understanding what you tell yourself, here I quote Marissa Pears, famous transformational therapist, the most important words you will ever say are the ones you tell yourself. Because what you're basically doing, you are telling the mind to calm the heck down, that you are safe and not in danger, so your emotions have the possibility to dissipate. What happens, right? When we have about 70,000 thoughts a day, only 5% are new. Now, and most of them are negative because as a child, how many times do we say no? I still do this with my my son. Like, you know, today, it's like, can I have ships? No. Can I, why not mommy? No. Can I have cookie? No. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just impossible not to say no sometimes, right? But it's really important to become aware how limiting we grow up, right? And by default, again, the lazy brain, right? It takes effort to do a little bit of positive thinking, to, you know, to uh, have optimism, to really process those emotions. It takes a lot of energy out of us. It's something to be practiced, right? But when you really master the way you talk to yourself, so if we make a mistake, especially for students as well, but also in the current workforce, if we make a mistake... When we internalize it and when we talk to ourselves like we wouldn't even talk to our worst enemy, we are really going to intensify that emotion and associate ourselves with that emotions. When in reality, we should know that we are not our thoughts, we are not our emotions, we feel it, we let it go, and we flip our script, right? And it's a process. So this is really what I uh, practical the most important thing I I teach people is how to flip their script is really understanding that there's much rooted in our subconscious mind. And as we grow into life or things happen, we get triggered. So they come to the surface when they come to the surface or we try to suppress them, right? Or other people trigger them, but it's really important to learn for yourself in a safe environment, right? Some people, I always say crying is actually really healthy and you don't have to cry for some, be in front of someone else, but what crying does, it allows you to detox your brain so you become really rational and focused because when you have felt your emotions, then you can focus, then you are functioning from your rational part of the brain. And it feels very ridiculous, it feels very taboo because it's unfamiliar to the brain. If you've never learned, or if you've never been taught to navigate, to channel your emotions, right? For example, how many boys, girls as well, have been told as a young kid, be strong, don't cry, right? Their nervous system has kind of been shut down <laughs> because they've been yeah. taught not to feel, not to show. When instead, we need to teach our children to channel their emotions. There are no right or wrong feelings. What I do with my child when he gets angry and he starts screaming and yelling, I tell him, channel it out. I say, and he even tells me now, I'm like, stop crying. He's like, you told me to cry. You told me crying is good. I'm like, yes. (laughs) but Two hours is a bit more. But I teach him to channel his emotions so he doesn't grow up thinking right when something is wrong. that is crying is you know not masculine or not at all it's not true it's if we look at it from a purely biological perspective so we don't even correlate it with our self-worth or self-love confidence when we feel our emotions right which is a biological phenomena that is part of being human yeah so glad be glad we have emotions when we learn how to process them and to creative channels, whether it's writing, whether it's screaming, screaming is actually very good, right? It it, it lets it out. And then we won't translate them into short-term behaviors. Now, why do people do bad, I don't like to say bad or good things, but unacceptable behaviors? It's because they're driven by emotions. And if you are in the heat of the moment, you need to express it. And humans are wired to inflict pain (laughs) rather than to go inwards and process it, right? How many people have been taught, if you feel anger and someone triggers you, you've been told to go yell or to go hit or to you know, defend your ego or your pride. You haven't been taught to think, okay, what triggers me? What do I believe, right? Why am I so defensive? Do I believe I'm not worthy? Do I believe that my ego has been hurt? Do I believe something about myself that person A or B triggered, right? We've not been taught this. (laughs) And this is something that I, you know, think should be so high on, on schools, universities from early on, but even now to really teach people to. First of all, understand there's no right or wrong feelings. Second of all, to learn to channel their emotions their way, whether it's exercise, whether it's boxing, whether it's tearing up your pillow, whether it's writing, whatever it is, and really understand that the emotion will pass if you let it flow. If you don't, you will store it somewhere in your body and it will become a physical discomfort and worst case scenario disease.
1: So I think that's, The the key and i thank you for that that's really i think that's helpful for me and hassan obviously for the audience see i think when we said we got a basic understanding of eq and a lot of people do that was very basic now yeah what we said was very basic (laughs) and then you gave the full explanation and i think that's what is missing about um about emotional intelligence because a lot of people just have a basic understanding and think this is it they don't understand the whole process of it like when it starts you think it's really touchy <laughs> yeah. yeah or when people do the coloring test to see if you've got yeah. high yeah so for me let's break it down because i think there's a few stuff that now like they said there, and that i kind of want to break down in a i guess a quick fire response you mentioned idea that you're we're 80 we're surrounded by negative thoughts because of the pandemic and everything that's going on you know you're constantly surrounded by by that you know, I think you said you use the word pessimism. Yeah, pessimism. Word? I'll make, yeah. I'm just making a pessimism. word up. <laughs> 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 I'm just looking at <laughs> some if I've just made the word up. So for my benefit and the audience benefit, let's go for that as an example. So right now you've got someone call a person average Joe. Um if there's an if there's a person in the audience called Joe, apologies. We're using you as an example. The wake up, they been affected one way or another by the pandemic. There's all this negative energy that they wake up to. What would be your first step for them to try and navigate out of that? What would be your first advice?
0: My first advice is to, okay, I need to give advice and then I'll give two practical strategies if that's okay. Perfect. <laughs> because otherwise, strategies won't make sense. So, to understand the concept and the difference between learned helplessness and learned optimism, right? So, helplessness, basically pessimism, is when you focus on everything you don't control, right? So, I here I give an example. For example, this is from the book of Martin Seligman, who is the founding father of positive psychology and he wrote a book about this, so definitely recommend it to read if you're interested. But basically he gave the example of a newly you know, um, born, had two parents, and then the father has high levels of pessimism and the mother high levels of optimism. The baby turns very ill, you know, she can't hear anymore on a Friday. They can't go to an appointment until Monday, so the mother says we call the doctor Monday is, and then she forgets about it because there's nothing she can do. The father keeps thinking about the worst case scenario, right? Because when we have gaps in our minds, right, when we don't have the information, we make up stories so we can feel a sense of elusive safety. It is really important to understand, to always question what stories am I telling and what are the facts based on reality? So what do I control and what do I not control? And even when they went to the doctor on Monday and the baby turned out to be fine, right? Still the father was not reassured (laughs) until he heard the baby react, right? So, and then only then he was able to let go. So what does this tell us? Is that when we focus on everything we can't control, we focus on the... uh, So if someone is surrounded by this negativity, right? First thing, ask yourself... How much can I control? How am I contributing? Am I spending my time around negative people? Am I watching the news uh, nonstop instead of just focusing on the critical information I need to know to follow guidelines, right? And be in in social responsibility. And so, so those things. Second, what am I telling myself, right? What am I telling myself am I telling myself what if I get COVID? if you have COVID, uh, what if I you know make it worse? It's really important to understand the, 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 f- the frequencies of words, right? They have words have an impact on your brain cells. Your brain cells have an impact on your cells. People are made of almost 50 trillion cells. We're not just one part. We are made up of, of our cells, of neutrons, atoms, etc. 70% water. They react to our environment. Imagine our brain is like a keyboard, right? Whatever we type in it, we, we process. This is based also on studies shown from epigenetics. Again, it's much more nuanced like that, but it's really important to understand what we tell ourselves. For example, if we use words like I'm always... In a negative state, I'm never going to find a job. I'm never going, you know, it's always me. I'm always surrounded by negativity, etc., etc. You're basically telling your mind that you are in this perpetrative state and you just keep it going on. When you change the words, not to, you know, positive thinking and kumbaya that everything is okay and disregarding reality, that's not realistic. But when you can say, I'm going through a difficult moment right now. I haven't yeah. felt always like this, right? Often it feels difficult, but I know I have the power within me to make a change on how I perceive things every single day. I have the power in me to focus on everything I do appreciate. I appreciate my breath that flows in Effortlessly. I appreciate my heartbeat that beats without me lifting one finger. I appreciate my current health. I appreciate whatever I have. I appreciate my wifey so I can still watch Netflix or work. I appreciate (laughs) the ability to put food in my mouth. I appreciate my eyesight so I can see. And what it does, this is not, you know, spiritual woo woo. What it does, it really helps shifts the brain's capacity. To focus more on optimism, right? To really change the information and the frequencies yourself to yourself. If yeah. you do it this first thing in the morning when you wake up, this is really important because a lot of people don't like meditating. But you can, the first 20 minutes when you wake up are so important, and the last 20 minutes before you go to bed, because that's when your brain transitions from conscious and subconscious mind. We know that the conscious mind drives only 5% of our behavior. 95% is driven by our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is default behavior. But when we go to bed, we transition. This is why, you know, they recommend not watching LED light or TV, etc. even meditate or or do calming activities like reading, etc. Because you allow yourself to prepare, you know, your body to sleep. That's when you go, your subconscious mind is activated. It's activated yeah. during the night. So the last things you tell yourself, I always tell people, think of three things you appreciate. Not so much what you're grateful for, because sometimes when you use the word grateful, it can trigger something you've overcome. So it's still kind of, you know, you overcome something negative. Well, versus when you appreciate something, it's just appreciate breathing right nothing that has you had to overcome by breathing or you know it doesn't have to be big it can be really small whatever it is and three things and why and then you go to bed that's what you will be thinking of right and when you wake up and you wake up and the first thing you think of I appreciate my pillow. I really love my pillow. I appreciate my bed sheets. I appreciate the ability to go to a clean toilet. Not everyone is so blessed. I appreciate the ability to take a shower. I appreciate the ability to have somewhere to sleep. And it's not dismissing the personal situation of people, right? Because I don't believe in comparing ourselves with those who are worse off than us because it it doesn't really help us, right? I mean, I don't think we should dismiss. Someone can be a millionaire and they can still suffer from mental health. They can still be depressive. We shouldn't judge people based on, you are material wealthy, so, you know, suck it up. You know, you are better off. Happiness is not based on material wealth. Happiness is based on our ability to navigate from negative emotions to more positive emotions inside of us, not putting conditions on how we feel externally, but really to learn how we can become self-sufficient with our emotions to always come from a place of personal fulfillment, which is ebb and flow. People think life is flatline. Life is ebb and flow. No, there will be really shitty days, right? And if you just accept and embrace those shitty days and it's part of life and you know that this too shall pass perspective, you'll be able to become like, I call it like a mountain, right? You won't anymore. You practice not reacting to your outside environment because you can't control people. You can't control the environment. You can't control what happens to you, but you always can practice control on how you respond and this is something to do on a daily basis again i'm an emotional intelligence coach i do this for a living my eight-year-old still triggers me (laughs) every day (laughs) unfortunately or at least i I have him other week so he still manages to to trigger me and i'm like i'm not judging myself that's okay right sometimes people trigger me as well so i think it's really important to learn as you manage your business, as you manage your project, as you manage your kids, to manage your life, (laughs) to manage yourself. It requires a constant self-awareness, right? And a lot of people you know some people still know i'm very self-aware nadia thank you very much but this changes i thought i was self-aware of three months ago and i already have a different perspective now than three months ago because i learned so much more now than i would I know three months ago and it's a continuous process right
1: so i think for me it's if i recap what you said there's some fascinating words in there it's important what you just mentioned so when you wake up in the morning say three things that you appreciate. Before you go to bed, say three things you appreciate because the subconscious mind gets triggered by that. Um, I think to the question I posed and probably a lot of people in that situation uh, and audiences is if you're faced with a difficult situation and the example you've given about the parents is, is a common thing that I've seen in work environments where there's quietness or there's a situation and I always say can't control that but their mind or people's mind, and even my mind, I'm not going to say I'm not, I'm protected by that behavior, is you're trying to connect dots, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to work out what is going on, but what you're saying is, by doing that, you fill in the gap, you're actually creating a negative path. Yeah, I think I think it's strange, because we all do it without realizing it from time to time, yeah. when we don't know the information, we just, exactly. in our head, it's like we're all good um screenwriters and exactly. producers exactly so when we hear something on the news we go let's multiply it by 100 how would it look like if Brad Pitt was living this movie scene um, which but is it's, crazy it's, to think
0: it, yeah but that's the human mind right it's not it's not going to really change that but uh, when you become aware of it you at least know that yeah. you know we are wired to make up stories but you just be mindful of the stories They become your truths. This is how some conflicts are created because in your mind, it's the truth. There's no other, you know, but it's your perception necessarily, not the truth. The other thing I would, I will say, which I didn't say, which is also a useful strategy is to understand that the mind is not a container. It's a processor. So uh, when we face with adversity, when we have so many negative thoughts, right? It takes 17 seconds before one negative thought catches another, catches another, catches another. So becoming really aware early on and choosing another thought is critical. We do not control the emotion of the image we put in our mind, but we do control what image we put in our mind. And it takes practice. This is where people often fail because it takes effort, especially in the beginning. It's something very unfamiliar. When I started doing this a few years ago, it was like, this is hard, Nadia. (laughs) I don't want to do this, right? But I always understood the long-term benefit the other thing i will say what i tell people is to write things down <laughs> write down all your worst case scenarios right get yeah. it out of your system what is your fear right and what will happen if that fear comes true and what will happen if that fears come true what it does it really helps actually calm down the mind and in the end you will figure out that in the end you'll still be breathing you normally mm-hmm. right if, if it's a situation and then you go from the emotional part to more rational and when you're in the rational part and this is where you access your powerful mind that has a lot of solutions to your problems and we often go to other people to solve our problems but the solutions yeah. are in our mind then we can tap into those and then all of a sudden we come with inspiration or we can come with things that we didn't think of before or
1: we right right That's our way to navigate. And I think somewhere in there you mentioned we got to embrace the emotions. So let's bring this to workplace because there's a lot of people that are working. Actually, let's scale it back for one second. What I want to say is a few years ago and even right now, a lot of organizations, and I'm looking at Hesam and maybe, Nadia, we can example uh, NATO maybe. A lot of organizations focus on IQ, not emotional intelligence. (laughs) What does IQ stand for? International, uh, ju- 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 just intelligence. Intelligence.
0: cognitive ability. Yeah. There
1: you go. Yeah. So it, a lot of organisations focus on IQ, mm-hmm. but a lot of recent studies um, suggest that actually your leaders need to have high EQ. And obviously, based on what you just explained, you know, when it comes to decision making and emotions are involved, you need to be able to detach yourself from that situation to think rationally and make the right decision. How important do you think is EQ for workplace and organizations to emphasize and maybe empower people to go and understand EQ? Because I can think of so many examples in my current organization, in previous organization, where if someone taught me and my colleagues what it actually is and how to deal with those difficult situations, productivity would have been better, attrition would have been lower, I'm not saying sickness would be lower, but no, no, there, I think there is probably some studies which says people will take less sick days off as in they'll be willing to work, as there be less stress. But to back you up, I think a Gallup study found that employees are less likely to leave if they have leaders or managers with high IQ. I think we, because, then yeah, we, yeah. we can sort of understand as an, as an employee, be like, okay, they'll understand they're making decisions so this is where it's key and obviously question open question for Nadia if I've got high EQ would that allow me to I'm going to use Hesom's quote progress no 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 understand and have more empathy with someone else if they're going through a difficult situation
0: well it's I mean there's no right or wrong answer to that specific question but let me dial it back a little bit I think One of the major challenges every organization on this globe faces is how do we help people become agile and resilient against constant change, right? We have change after change after change. This is the world we live in right now. Some love to accept it. Some, you know, they refuse to accept it. Organizations have focused so much first in making agile systems, right? Agile processes and tools and not so much on the people, but... We are now working with almost, I think, up to five generations in the workforce. This pandemic has really tested the limits of people. Burnout yeah. before the COVID was already, you know, classified by the World Health Organization as an international disease with 256 million people around the globe suffering from mental health, depression, and some form of burnout. Oh wow! Now that is in, you know, it's the number now I think has... Don't quote me on this, but even tripled. It's the pandemic burnout is spiking. Even in the healthcare sector, which, you know, nursing burnout is a huge issue. And now we are focusing more on the having a solid healthcare system, right? It's one problem. Working remotely, some people love it. Other people are all of a sudden working from home with kids or in isolation. So it the remote workforce will remain in one form or shape because organizations who focus only on the cost element... They see that they can also save a lot of money if we don't take the people aspect into consideration we will end up with an automated workforce based on ai big data deep learning machines without any soft skill without any i don't even want to call a soft skill right it's not soft skill no without not. the ability to connect people right people are building trust. We all speak about building trust, right? No one is really still going to trust a machine. When you have a flying plane with a pilot, if the plane crashes, right? We call it a horrible accident, but these things happen. If it would, if the plane would be flown by a machine, right? No yeah. one would accept it, right? So the, our ability to trust machines is maybe in, in a few decades. But still now, people need people to trust. And especially in an era where we have been isolated for so long, our craving for trust is important. Second thing, upskilling of people. There's a lot of automations going uh, up, but there are you know important skills. Emotional intelligence is one of the top skills. Creativity, problem solving, et cetera, that people need to learn. Now, we have different generations who deal with this differently. In order for leaders, not only for leaders, but managers, to navigate, help navigate people through this process is so important. You need to be able to meet them in their map of the world. You need to be able to connect with people. If you cannot connect with people, how are you going to help them? Because we manage processes, we manage tools, but we don't manage people. People are not things to be managed. People are, need to be led, people need to be inspired, people need to be guided. And the last thing I will say, change happens to us. But Transitions happen within us, right? I, I hear I refer to the Bridget's model that when there's change, people have three phases that you need to understand in order to really leverage your EQ. Because when you go through a new change, right, whether yeah. it's going from working in the office remotely, becoming a student. To a business persona, whatever it is, the first phase is ending. Right, new beginning starts on ending. How do you emotionally let go of the person or the version of you, <laughs> the mindset mm-hmm. of what you were? If you enjoyed working in the office and that was your, you know, your 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 thing, work yeah. more all of a sudden from home is in a judgment. But if you keep working from home with the mindset that I wish I was in the office, you're draining yourself from energy. You're projecting this out on others. Your focus and alertness levels are low. Your performance levels are low. And it has a negative impact on you and on the team, right? So really accepting and allowing yourself grief time (laughs) that, okay, for now, that mindset, I need to embrace the new one. Then the second one is a neutral zone. So you have a period where people need to adjust and it feels very uncomfortable if you don't know how to manage your emotion, anxiety, fear, because it's unknown. And everything that's unknown to the brain feels familiar because the brain sends signals. Joe or Jane or Nadia, you are in danger. Alarm, 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 right? If you don't have techniques to tell yourself it's going to be okay and allow the body biological time to adapt to it, Then you really can navigate. And then the new beginning starts with imagining and embracing with optimism the future. Yes, I miss my coffees, I miss my, you know, in personal context in the off, whatever it is, right? But knowing that that time will come back in one shape or form, but maybe more enhanced. But you can also say, how can I work with the cards I'm dealt with right now? Right? How can I make my experience right now the most enjoyable? I don't have an office, I don't control going back to the office, I don't have all that. What do I have? And really imagine what your future can look like, even in hybrid form. And that's how you help lead people, right? The best leaders, they tell a story that connects with people's heart, (laughs) emotions. Right? When people have a lot of people don't need, necessarily need to agree with you, but they need to feel connected and heard. Famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt, which I always use: "Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care." Right? And as a leader or in a manager position, you have to be very self-aware. You have to really first process your own emotions because you're going to deal with all different kinds of behaviors that are going to trigger you in different ways. And only when you're able to respond and not react, can you help people guide through it? Can you understand that if someone is really reluctant, it's not they have a positive intent. Their positive intent is that they feel fearful In adapting to what is unknown. They are fearful if they are maybe later in age to lose their job or not be flexible, right? This is also part of emotional intelligence. People who have low levels of flexibility, they're very reluctant to change, right? So it's really important to understand that. So how you, you as a leader can help people imagine a better alternative and minimize the pain of change, which requires high levels of empathy and storytelling ability that connects to people's map of the world this is why emotional intelligence is in my view even though i'm subjective but it's like a no-brainer it's yeah. critical so <laughs> because we know
1: so for me i think what i want to do is i totally agree because i think the, the what i understand from you is that you know when we are dealt the bad cards we need to accept it because we're accepting that and letting the emotions go through us we can actually see the other side of it yeah i think um What was quite interesting is when you said companies, and there are thousands of companies, who are trying to be agile, they think a new software is the right answer. They go, let's just get the latest system, but they don't understand that there's a people problem, as in you need to make sure that everyone's aware with high EQ. That's why a lot of new-born companies, if you look at them, the, the way they turn around so being agile, they don't have the latest software they have the right leaders in place exactly yeah yeah so i think what i want to do is probably you know go back what we've discussed in the past um i think for me what i want to do is recap what you know nadia's taught us in the past x amount of minutes and what is our personal take on emotional intelligence and how do you and i'm looking at you Hassan. how do you going to use this going forward that would benefit you putting you on the spot. That's a good question. I think to be fair there's there was the lot of what I call the brain side and the whole science behind it, which I was blind to, I would say. So when you say unconsciously we fill the gaps of negative thoughts or things that we don't know, our brain does it. Oh, there is seventy thousand thoughts and only five percent are new, which is when you think about it, is crazy. Um yeah. but the things which I think I take from this is I have a bad habit before I go to sleep. I'm on my phone. Um, don't... <laughs> it's, it's... I think... It's Compassion, something that... Uh,
0: if you want people to change, people don't change based on reprimand, behaviour or discipline. They change based on... It's like children, right? When you, they do something well and you reinforce a behaviour, the next day they will do the same thing.
1: <laughs> okay. I think my phone has been taken away from me now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've been grounded now. Your phone is taken away. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think it's, it's something that, you know, you wake up or you go to sleep, just have that few minutes to yourself um, to sort of give your brain a rest and sort of reassurance. Yeah. Because, you know, I think especially people my age.
0: Can I uh, just say something? Yeah, go on. I just went, yeah. I think, so I think this is so important because myself for years, I've suffered from insomnia. I suffered from overthinking and I hardly could sleep, you know, at night. And I had uh, little changes actually that helped me by first, you know, I went to the hospital and did the sleeping test. And I was reassured that I had more than enough deep sleep. So there was nothing wrong with my brain because again, we fill in the gaps. What if I have whatever in my brain or what if I'm, you know, <laughs> not normal and, and all yeah. the stories. But what I really did that made a profound change is, I don't know if you know Mel Robbins. Uh, she's all like also famous motivational uh, life coach. Well, I was watching one of her videos where she said she leaves the phone in the living room, right? She so never goes to it with bed. And I did it and it was like breaking up, right? Like, like I had like abandonment issues with my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I went to bed and I'm like, oh my God, why? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? So it's like you have to you know, and when you rehabilitation, how do you say it in English? Just you have to get used to it, new behavior. New but behavior, my desire. My desire for sometimes you need to hit rock bottom in order to change, right? My desire for having a healthier experience than what I was going through, not sleeping, was far bigger, and that's what drove me. But I tell you that small change by not taking my phone in the bedroom, and years later I still don't. And then people say, "What if someone calls me?" Well, in the five years I've been doing it, <laughs> I, I had there was no life-threatening calls. <laughs> Right, hardly uh, any and and i keep it on volume so i would hear it if there is, is a goal and i tell you my quality of life has improved so much before i go to bed i don't watch it and even when i wake up i trained myself yeah. for the first hour i do really do not need to check on who has emailed me <laughs> right who likes what on social media Who has eaten breakfast avocado or who has posed (laughs) in a selfie with duck face? Uh, No judgment here. I really do not need to do that first hour.
1: So serious question for me. Yeah. How do you wake up if your phone is not there? How do you set the alarm? Because, you know, this is a really uh,
0: funny question (laughs) because this is this. But this is what what my excuse was. Oh, my alarm. Someone told me, well, go buy 10 euro (laughs) alarm clock. From Blocker, we have like this shop here, Uh, and put it next to your bed. So I have a very simple black alarm clock, cost me 10 euros, and it's been my best sleeping buddy for the last years.
1: (laughs) I might actually take your advice obviously wouldn't be euros you know 18 pounds but you
0: can even you, you have very fancy alarm clocks that do not involve phone frequencies
1: i thought neither is going to say i'm going to give you a gift as a alarm clock and you know i'll I'll send that as a... <laughs> yes. I'm,
0: like, I'm dutch right sometimes i can be cheap so <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, I no, think... no no
0: offense to the dutch people this is like my, <laughs> my 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 joke side so
1: i i think obviously has something you mentioned um your recapping for me what's been fascinating listening to to Nadia, um, all of those, you know, references, for me was the bit that I knew some of my behaviors, my coping mechanism, and me and Nadia talked offline um, about it. What I didn't know is the science behind it. So somehow along the way, you know, my brain, you know, or my EQ has been heightened, and it does these behaviors to protect itself for the right reasons. So for example, when it comes to emotions, I, you know, I openly talk about emotions, you know, I talk about when I was, Embarrassed when I was down, when I was depressed, because I feel like when I own it and I've accepted it, it's easier to overcome it. I don't see it as a weakness; I see it as a as a strength. So one thing I'm going to take away, except the clock that Nadia's going to give give to me as a as a as a gift, is uh you, you can see I'm pushing for the gift for Nadia, you know, to, to send that. Hey, yes, I was looking. I'll, at I'll gonna, I, clock. I, I don't
0: mind clock. sending you the. i don't mind sending you the 10 euro clock. <laughs>
1: The one that you're using already. <laughs>
0: I'll buy you a new 10 year clock and I'll, I'll, I'll put like an autograph with it, but that's it. <laughs> uh,
1: accept it, accept it. I'll take it. Um, okay. I think the one that I'm going to take away is I've done it when I've been low um, or when I want to look at my, I don't know, my, you know, year resolution. I always look back and reflect and what's been good, what hasn't been good. And even every little bit that has been good, as you mentioned, you know, um pandemic, I've been lucky that I'm on the same roof with mum and dad and I'm spending more time with them. So I'm looking at that rather than rather than everything else on the news. Um but the one that I'm gonna take away from Nadia's advice is the in the morning and in and the night. So I do it every now and then, but I don't do it constantly every night before going. So I think when
0: we lack consistency, like this is where a lot of people struggle, right? Because they think it's a quick fix day. They do it for a few weeks and then it gets hard and then they give up and then say, well, nothing ever changes. It's, you know, discipline. It's it's the investment, right? Uh, Some people say, I don't even have 10 minutes in, in the morning. Or I say, if you don't have 10 minutes and you don't have a life, then, you know, you... Because this is so important for people to understand. We are familiar with the pain of pessimism. We are familiar with the pain of helplessness. We are familiar with telling ourselves crappy stories. We are familiar with labeling things as good and bad, right? Perception triggers emotions it's familiar to us. It's painful, but familiar to us. What is unfamiliar requires system two of the brain to be activated. It takes up a lot of mental energy in the beginning. This is why they say about 21 days before you adopt a new habit. But your desire for a better state of mind for yourself must be greater than being in that painful but familiar state so what i tell people write down all your familiar behaviors that feel familiar but are painful and then write down your unfamiliar behaviors which will feel much better and then focus on cultivating those and like anything in life right they say but it's difficult well the most valuable things in life do they come handed on the plate eat. for some yeah, yeah, for yeah. some yes but for most of us no and, and it's worth price worth paying happiness is not something to be obtained our brain, when they obtain, when it obtains a goal, it will want yeah. more, it will want more, it will want more because we were born to expand, right? So the only way to understand that happiness is a state of being and it's inside of us. It's not out there somewhere in some person or something, right? We need those sensations to feel joy, to feel experience, but happiness is something we can practice in a state of being. And I think this is where we see a shift for most people, not all, that the pandemic has brought, because all of a sudden they realized, you know, here's this virus, no government was really able to react immediately or to have a solution immediately. There was no vaccine, it was unknown. Right, so what does this tell us about life? What does this tell us about you know security? What does this tell us about happiness? All of a sudden, we were faced living with you know twenty four hours with each other, or some deep questions it came up for for most people.
1: So I think Sorry that to leads. You off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think mm. for me, I think that leads. I'm not going to get you to the recap because you know it would be too to recap. I think that leads nicely to probably how we want to wrap it up. So. Mm. How can we improve IEQ? Is it a technique? And I think you posted something, um, recently. literally today, and we stole it. So yes, <laughs> or uh, not yeah, we, yeah. SM, SM stole it. So yeah. um, we saw it today. So do you want to just talk through the the technique, a, B, C, D, e F, G? technique well, Yes. Well, well, then how knows his alphabet?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I posted it without actually making correlation with the podcast uh, tonight but uh i like sharing you know valuable stuff to people if it can help them uh, this is why i use science a lot right because a lot of people speak about emotional intelligence but they speak very abstract right you know there's very a lot of inspiration work but you know get up in the morning your life is worth living and you know you have everything it takes you have it but You know how do we get there from here and this is one and how i will get there from here is very different how ahmed will get there from here or how john or jane will get there from there right it's we have different maps of the world so what i like to explain people is to and and this is the the other part is people you know we are still live in a world where science and stats is very important for most people. But how do we use the science and stats to speak human language to people so they understand it? This is what my mission is for emotional intelligence, to make it practical and to help people ask the right questions and to do different experiences, which will be sustainable for them for as long as it takes until they will change, right? There is no right or wrong approach. So coming back to the ABCDE technique, it's an it's a framework developed by the late Dr. Albert Ellis, who was a rational emotive therapy expert specialist, and he yeah. actually did research and showed that actually we can alter the way we feel by how we what we tell ourselves, right? How we really reflect. So the ABCDE technique is one one tool that I use for. for for my uh, trainings or for clients it's basically when we have a let me do this in practice let me throw the ball back at you Does one of you want to share a, a a situation doesn't have to be you know big where you really took something very personal and and it, it got you in in your feelings it can be something as you know you stealing your brother's phone or whatever it is or general example
1: do you want to be the do you want to be the guinea pig?
0: <laughs> don't don't have to go deep, right? But just something that you really, you know, something someone said and then you yeah. went on a haywire rabbit hole.
1: So, for me I I applied for a role. Um it mm-hmm. was a senior role and it was, you know, the the feedback was yeah, you know, great, uh, etcetera, etc. Cetera, but you're you're not old enough or you haven't got enough experience. It was the way you was said or maybe that how am I into? So, I'm
0: going to just start, stop you there. When you heard that, what are the feelings? What are the emotions that were triggered?
1: So, initially, like numb. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to brush off, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the more I dwelled on it and I went back on the interview and what I said, I, I got a bit angry. Um, Yeah, angry. Like unfair. Angry.
0: Unfair. Um, okay.
1: Almost like, why me? Yeah, so that's the C, right?
0: The consequences... It's like the emotions that, that that you felt were anger, were maybe frustration, were yeah. a sense of injustice, right? What was the activating event in order for you to, uh, for those feelings to be triggered? What specifically was said or done that anger, feelings of anger, feelings of frustration were triggered?
1: I think for me it was the question, uh, the, the response and the way I, uh, the way um they didn't give me a valid reason why I didn't get the job. I think they said, "Oh, you're, you're too young," and I just felt like they used my age as a reason not to give me the job. So, was um, was it
0: more the words that was, or the tone of voice, or the, and the or the attitude? combination of both? Yeah. Okay. Maybe
1: my, my and again, this is got me thinking. Maybe maybe so now my... we go to the B.
0: So, what kind okay. the beliefs? What were the beliefs then that came up? What were you telling yourself when you know, they? They said some words, attitude and a tone of voice that you obviously didn't agree with and triggered feelings yeah. of anger later on. And then certain beliefs popped up in your mind. What were those beliefs? Just name one or two.
1: In what sense, as I When you so felt anger. I believed, believed they were being unfair and injustice. They were being unfair
0: and injustice. What else?
1: Probably I thought they were been racist too. Racist, yeah. And ageist. So,
0: and ageist? yeah. Okay, uh, the list can go on.
1: <laughs> clearly, <laughs> yeah. clearly, clearly, it was a good experience.
0: Yeah, so. Uh,
1: the cut clearly is still very raw. But <laughs> well, that's it's perfect.
0: Perfect example, right? A lot of people will benefit from this. So now we identified the C, so the consequences were the anger, the frustration, feelings of, you know, those feelings. And then they were activated by the activating events, which was a combination of the words, of the tone of voice, and the attitude, which basically led to trigger some beliefs. Your perception is that, you know, it's mm-hmm. unfair, it's injustice, they're probably racist, they probably, you know, played on age. Now we go to the D, debate, dispute and discard. What can you tell yourself actually to dissect your beliefs? So what specifically makes you think this is unfair? What information do you have to believe that this is unfair? Unfair, injustice or racist?
1: Based on the fact they couldn't give me any constructive feedback. So they didn't give you any constructive
0: feedback. So the conclusion you made, am I right to say, because they didn't give you any constructive feedback, The conclusion uh, you came with, that it's unfair, injustice, and probably even racist. Yeah. Yeah. So we go deeper into that, right? How can you take up another perspective when you put yourself in... And again, I'm not going into the personal situation, obviously, but I'm trying to have you look at it from their perspective, right? Or from with the information you have in mind. What else can you perhaps tell yourself that happened or that is maybe one of the reasons that it feels better
1: what if i try to look at it from a different lens from a different lens yes not
0: from your lens so your lens is you know still filled with kind of anger unfairness probably you have some deep core values of justice right yeah probably you're very sensitive as well on issues of uh, injustice etc so it's Important to understand how our core values and core beliefs also influence our perception. And again, I'm not justifying this in any shape or sense or form. I'm just using helping you know you try to disassociate and overcome the emotion so you can de- ex- see the experience for what it was and move on to even better things, right?
1: So after going through those emotions, um, mm-hmm. I got to a stage, and I can't remember if it was, if it was day or days, so What I said, do you know what? maybe they don't deserve me maybe if that is their perception on if that's their view that someone based on the years of experience shouldn't get the job then that organization isn't for me so I'm fortunate that I didn't get the job and I didn't work for them so that's how I processed it
0: yeah but this is a very good example right because the, the dysfunction is really either to show that there is probably another reason or explanation that has nothing to really to do with you, or perhaps your perceptions were accurate, but then you have the choice and the decision to say, you know, I deserve better than this, I want to move on and feel better, what can I tell myself that will give me that emotional energy or stamina or or resource to move on to, you know, okay, in my perception, you know, it was unfair, I also don't want to work for an organization that values
1: exactly different,
0: that has different values than me. We're just not meant to be so, you know, perhaps this rejection was God's protection. Yes. And the, exactly. And then, so that's the D, right? And then you have the effects. The effects is you feel more powerful. You feel more energized. You feel more empowered to reach for something better. And this is so important, especially, and I'm glad you used this example, because you know, I, I could be a billionaire for all the rejection I faced or no, but I really <laughs> learned to not take it personal, right? There was, some of it was very unfair, other was it was just not to be. When I look yeah. back, that also has given me the resilience, the, the my, build my character, and I'm so glad that I didn't, I was rejected. Because I wouldn't, you know, and that makes a difference, you know, between people who dwell on things they don't control or focus on what they can. And the most important opinion is your opinion you have about yourself right? It's normal to feel anger. It's normal to feel all those negative emotions. It's normal to really want to, you know, take actions. And in certain circumstances, if there is actually act of racism, action should be taken, right? Depending yeah. on whether you want to do that or not. But you always have to make that decision for yourself. People have to say, okay, in any case, I need to be clear on how I perceive myself. And in this case, right? I know I am very capable. I learned from this experience that the values of that organizations are not in line with my values. So no, I don't want to work there. And then I'm glad I didn't reject me because now I can make space for an organization that does share that my values. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. And this is so 100%. important because we sometimes we just go for the name or we go for the money. But if we work for an organization where our values clash, it's a, it's a loss-loss situation, right? Uh, This is really important in general to understand and the effects, right, the E is how better do you feel. Some people, for example, they have an, uh, an argument or they are waiting for a call from someone and they didn't call for two days. And then during those two days, right, they make up a whole story and they feel very bad. I am not wanted anymore, or I'm not that important or in a relationship, or how can they not think of me every single second of every single breathing, living moment, right? And There are a million things that could have happened in between. But this is where you use this technique to really say, okay, what do I know? What do I know as a fact? What information yeah. do I really have? And what am I making up? What am I guessing, right? And what can I tell myself? that will lead me to feeling better. And here, this is the last thing I will say, a lot of people prefer to feel right than to feel good. So, and this was a hard lesson for me to swallow as well. But sometimes it's better to feel good than to be right. <laughs> right?
1: Mm.
0: It's a balance to be struck. I mean, where do you focus your energy? Sometimes, you know, we spend so much energy and time to prove each other wrong or right. And then we burn bridges, we break 100%. relationship. We lose connections for what? Because I said that it was ten percent, and you said it was five percent, and I will not. It, it scratches the surface. Is what you, how you feel about yourself?
1: Yeah, and I think I think we can all relate to that. Um, you know, wanted to have the the final word. I love that analogy that we just done how to you know the, the technique. I think for me that was interesting because we you know we talked out loud. We found out I'm a very mm-hmm. sensitive person. And, uh, you know, clearly still very raw as we talked about this, you know, live on Earth. So that organization, if you're listening, I'm not going to swear. I'm not going <laughs> to swear. I was, I was very tempted. But, but
0: write it down there eh? because when you write it down with pen and paper, there's also science behind this. You, actually, the emotion flows out of you into paper. So you discharge it. So
1: you associate with it? I've I've written on a paper. It starts with F and then is U. No, not the swearing word. Not oh, okay, sorry. Words. I, <laughs> no, I,
0: I meant this saying. technique.
1: Okay. No, no, I yeah, meant yeah. this. It's two papers. I it's one side word. with the F U and then, and another one is O. F. Oh, okay. This, this, I, I, ha- this. I
0: have another I have another one. It's like W T F. Where's, yes,
1: the yeah. <laughs> oh, where's the focus oh where's the focus sorry oh. where's the yeah, focus SM's, yes Esam's mind was on the, very... on the other version of it
0: no no um, no. I'm very classy <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can get to clearly tell uh we're not I think uh, for me Nadia the the past you know hour we've discussed emotional intelligence it's been an eye op- an eye-opener for both of us I feel like you want to say it? it's been mind-blowing <laughs> get, get it get, oh, okay photos oh, like a so I'm sure someone in the audience would laugh at his pun, at my uh, 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 mind blowing. But well, no, honestly, it's been, it's been fascinating to not just follow your journey, but to understand how our mind works and how we should embrace emotions, how we should use the techniques you mentioned. And what we'll do is we will put um we'll put some of the links and and the link to your website on the bio because for the listeners out there, um we gotta realize. Dealing with our emotions, it's tough, but it's the right thing to do, as we've heard, uh, you know, from Nadia. And if you do want to find out more about emotional intelligence, please go check out Nadia's link, which we'll put on the bio. All I want to say is a big thank you, Nadia, for your time tonight. Uh, It's been fascinating with some laughters and (sighs) um, some interesting, fascinating uh, stories about, you know, clock and how you, you know, live you know put your phone in the living room. You have to send uh, me your address. I
0: will send you the 10-year-old clock.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to hold you to it. And then, honestly, I'd love to have you back on a different episode, to talk about another aspect of maybe the cybersecurity, maybe something else, because I love listening to you and, and your story and, you know, what you represent and what you're trying to do, you know, finding your purpose. Nadia, all I want to say is a big thank you. Um, thank we'll you. put all the links and, I guess, speak soon.
0: Yes, thank you very much to both of you. I really enjoyed it. And my son was sleeping throughout the whole time. So perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamed and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.